We are going to continue today on, on this series we're calling The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread, but it's really about the blood covenant. And we said this, that from Genesis through Revelation, it is one story. If you don't understand that, you'll never be able to rightly divide the Bible. It is all a story of God's love for you. Jesus is shown throughout the whole Old Testament. God put together the whole Old Testament to point so that when Jesus showed up, everybody would know it was him, right? And the New Testament's amazing. We get Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It, it gives us a, an incredible, you know, 25K picture of who Christ is. Then the epistles, we actually go beyond that and we see in Christ. When you see in Christ, guess who you see? You see yourself in Christ, and it empowers you to walk as he walks. So we're going to talk today, I'm real excited. Uh, we're going to talk today about Abraham, because the Bible is full of this covenant that God made with Abraham. This is the perfect example, because God comes to this man who lived in a pagan land, he was an idol worshiper, and God started talking to him, and God cut covenant with him. It's interesting, we're going to see the progression. Remember I said this, this series is designed so that you know that you know that you know that you know that you can trust him. The whole Bible is a love story. God is saying, I love you, I love you, I want you to have my life. I, you know, I want you to walk in the quality of life that I have. And the blood covenant says this, everything that I am, God says, everything that I have is yours. It's amazing. So we're going to talk about this today. Think about that. All of the power all of the strength, all of the love, all of the wisdom, right? All of the healing, all of the provision, everything that God is, is yours. He's given himself completely to you. Why? Because he loves you. It makes me weep every moment of every day that I think about that. His love for us is not based on our behavior. Isn't that amazing? I want you to say this with me. Carl, can you put up uh, Psalm 23 in verse 1? I, this is a picture of our life on the earth. I want you to say this with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's try that again. I'll say it, then you say it. The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, Therefore, I shall not lack. lack. Isn't that good? The Lord, say that, makes me lie down in green pastures. My Lord leads me beside still waters. Look at the next statement. The Lord restores my soul. The Lord leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Wow, that's because of the covenant, you know. So say this with me. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil because... My Lord is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Wow, that's really good, isn't it? Look at this. My Lord went before me and prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My Lord anoints my head with oil. Therefore, my cup is not full. It always runs over. 
I always have more than enough. Isn't that good? Look at this. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all, all, all the days of my life. And look at this. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is your life. I wonder what would happen to you spiritually if you'd say that every day. Wow. Isn't that good news? Well, let's get into this. I mentioned it a little bit last week, but we're just going to jump right into here. The Abra- we call it the Abrahamic covenant. Okay. Now remember, God is going to cut a covenant in response to Abraham's question. Lord, what, basically, what good is all this you've done for me because I don't have any descendants? Right? And then God answers the question when he's like, Lord, how, you know, all of it, how can, you, how can I trust you? How can I know? All of those questions are answered when God says, okay, I'll tell you how you're going to know. And he cuts covenant with him. The blood covenant in the Bible is what will tell you you can put all of your trust in him. And that if he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. It is unbreakable. The gifts and callings of God that he's placed within you, they will never be taken back. He can't. What God has given you. So so you could sit here and go, yeah, but I've really messed up and I've, it doesn't matter. It's still there. So stop messing up and just pick it up and walk in it, right? Only 11 chapters in Genesis. I mentioned this last week. Only 11 chapters in Genesis are devoted to covering over 2,000 years that include this. So there's, there's literally 50 chapters in the book of Genesis. 11 of them cover 2,000 years. Okay? What do they cover? Glad you asked. The whole creation account. That's pretty big. Adam and Eve... It covers the whole antediluvian period. What does that mean? That means the word antediluvian, it's a big word that sometimes a theologian could use so that you think he's really smart. All it means is before the flood. All the, all the stuff before the flood, it covers all of that, right? Then it covers Noah. It covers the flood. Then it covers the nations that came out of Noah's three sons. And it covers the Tower of Babel. Okay, 2,000 years covered in 11 chapters. The other 39 years, or 39 chapters, cover 400 years. 11 11 chapters cover 2,000 years. 39 chapters cover 400 years. I wonder if God is going, check this out, right? This account... It's devoted to covering this 400-year period that deals with one man, Abraham, right? And the first three generations of his descendants, 39 chapters. Isn't that crazy? The rest of the Old Testament is given entirely to describing events that pertain to Abraham's descendants over 2,000 years. So 39 chapters are all about him and three generations of his descendants. The rest of the Old Testament, all of those books, the rest of this covers 39 chapters, 400 years, three three generations of descendants. Then the rest of the Old Testament is talking about 2,000 years of Abraham's descendants. That's, that's crazy. Abraham, 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 right? Then the New Testament, now get this, is devoted to those who are Abraham's offspring through faith. Isn't that amazing? The whole New Testament is talking about Abraham's 
descendants that came to be his descendants through faith. That's us. So in other words, this is a central foundational piece of the word of God. Why am I saying that? It's one story. It's one story that has a scarlet thread of redemption that runs through it. It is about a blood covenant where God, your Father, Jesus, who is God, right? Your Redeemer. It's literally about the Holy Spirit who is God, who is your helper. He is in you. If you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he's upon you to empower you. The whole Bible is about this. Isn't it amazing that religion has twisted it to make it all about us? You just better do this, and you better do better, and you better do better, and if you just beg God long enough, he just might do it for you, but he's sovereign, and maybe he won't. That's a lie. This is all about how God has provided. Now, do we walk holy before him? Absolutely. How do we do that? One way. We learn what he, how, he, how he made us. Right? I've been made the righteousness of Almighty God in Christ, and holiness, my behavior, comes out of that. Now, we're living in a church age right now that is blind to that because of self-centeredness and selfishness. But it was prophesied that in these final days there'd be a falling away, right? There, because of the self-centeredness, people will get mad at God because I want it my way, right? Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Do you know that's the most highly quoted song in every genre of music? He, he, he sang a song, I Did It My Way. Now, I did hear that there's a good chance we're going to see Frank in heaven. I heard a minister led him to Christ before he passed away. But that song, I Did It My Way, never works, right? You know, Eve did it her way. Adam did it his way. Got us in this mess. I could tell you, your pastor, when he's done it his way, yikes, right? No fun, right? I mean, if you look at the satanic church, I mean, we're in Halloween season, right? No, no, this is the season of the church. I don't even acknowledge Halloween season because it's the enemy. We give, him, we give no place to the devil, right? But, but it's so like him. Let me give you something that tastes good in your mouth while you put up with all this junk. But Halloween, I mean, what, what does, you know Satanists love when Christians celebrate Halloween. They love it. They love it. Talk to some Satanists. This is their day, man. They love it. Now they have a whole month, it seems like. I'm so glad. I can't wait till November 1st. November 1st was always a special day in my life because that was the first day of basketball practice when I was in high school. <laughs> but now it's my favorite day because that ridiculous, wicked thing is over. But you know, in the Satanic Bible, they have the Satanic Bible, and they have what's called the Book of the Law. And in the book of the law, there's only, do you know there's only one law in the satanic church? And this is the law. Whatever you want to do, do it. And it'll lead you right into death. But I'm telling you, we preach this word because the love of God is what causes us to change and run after him. When we realize that God's not mad at us, God's at peace with us. He loves us, he's for us, he's with us. He has given himself to us and all that he is is ours. Wow. So let's look at it. Genesis chapter 12 talks about when God first approached. Now we're talking about Abraham, but when we start the story in Genesis chapter 12, God had not changed his name yet. So his name in Genesis chapter 12 is Abram. Okay, it's not Abraham yet. So, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Let's read verse 1 through verse 5. It said, Now the Lord said unto Abram. Now when the Lord spoke this to him, Abram was 75 years old. Okay, when he just got, it, got started in his walk, he was 75. You know, most people in the Bible, they really never got started until they were about 80. 
right? So for all of you that are in your 70s and 80s, get excited. You're about to move into a, a bigger thing with God. And I am not kidding at all. God told him, he says, get thee out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you. Okay? In other words, God comes to Abram and says, get out of this pagan land and I want you to worship me. Why does it say that in the Bible? Let's read it under the, under the light of New Testament truth. What is this saying to us? Our part is to separate ourselves from the world system and learn God's system. You're going to have to let go of the world system to, in order to learn God's system. You've heard me probably teach about following God's will for your life. It's like you're hanging on. If, if, this, is, if this is where I'm at, I'm hanging. This is my comfort zone. But God's next step is there. Well, in order to get there, I have to let go of this in order to embrace this. Your flesh hates that. You won't let go of that to come over here if you don't know that God, you can trust him. You won't know that you can trust him unless you really understand the blood covenant that he has given himself to you. That he will never fail you, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. If you ever mess up, and if just the mere fact that you messed up and you need his mercy, God says in the word of God all over the place, if you need mercy, you'll always get it. If you need it, if you call out and need it, God, I messed up, help me, yes. It's always yes. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you see examples in the Old Testament I mean, you know, Jezebel's husband. You know, you can't have a Jezebel without an Ahab, right? Ahab's this evil dude. And, and God comes to him and says, hey, your life's over. The dogs are going to eat you. And he cries out, this evil man cries out for God's mercy, and God gives him mercy. You're like, are you kidding me? Right? No, I, you know, Tony Finley would never read that statement and go, are you kidding me? No, I read that statement and go, because, man, when you need mercy, you have it, right? Because God loves you. I love that. Verse 2, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. This is the three parts of this Abrahamic covenant. God says, I will bless you. The Bible says, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich. That's talking about material wealth. It literally means a full and overflowing supply. When God blesses you, he anoints my head with oil, therefore my cup runs over. I'll bless you, I'll make your name great, why, and you shall be a blessing. We are to be a blessing in this world, right? It says here, and I will bless them that bless you, and curse them that curse you. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now what's cool in the New Testament is God, you, when you read this under the context of the New Testament, it is true that God will bless them that bless you. If you work for a company, that company is blessed because you're there. I mean, you should be believing God to bless your company, right? Whatever it is. But here's the thing. God in the church age is not cursing people that curse you. The Bible says in the New Testament, this church age, this 2,000-year period of the dispensation of the grace of God, God is not accounting man's sins towards him. So God is not taking out cities with hurricanes, right? He's not doing all this stuff. Now, now judgment is coming very soon. Jesus is not going to come back as a little nice little lamb. When that sky rolls back at the end of the tribulation period, good feeling gone in the earth. We're going to be back on, we're going to be back with Jesus 
White robes. I mean, think about that. Why white robes? To forever tell you that there is no battle between good and evil. We're not going to soil our garment. He's going to speak, and it's going to be done. Right? But right now, no, 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 God's not cursing anybody. He's not holding their sins against them. It says, and in thee all the families of the earth will be blessed. Verse 4, so Abraham departed. Notice this about Abraham. This guy obeyed. Back in that day, Abraham would have, would have been a man that his family... That, that provided security for him. He was set, right? He was safe, and he left. And God didn't even tell him where he was going to take him. He says, I'm going to take you to a land. I'll show it to you, but I want you to come. Get away from everybody you know. Got to get you out of this pagan land. I got to get you away from learning things the way you used to learn them. I need to teach you a new way. That's what God is saying to you today. He's saying you, got, you don't rely on the world system, right? It doesn't take 15 to 30 to 40 years to pay off a house. Not in God's system. God could pay it off in a week. And your mind goes tilt. Yeah, but he's only able to do that based on, beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Well, how do you get your soul to prosper? Only one way. When you take the word of God and implant it in your heart, it is able to save your soul. It's what renews your mind. In other words, all things are possible to him who believes. Right? So it says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, or Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, now this is verse 7, we just, I want to stay in context here. Verse 7, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto your seed will I give this land. This is the first time God told Abram. If you look at how many times God said over and over and over, I've given you this land. In the New Testament, God says over and over and over, I have given you, my child, everything that pertains to life and godliness. My child, I have blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's the, it's all yours. He keeps saying that, right? So it says here, I'll give you this land, and there Abram builded an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. So Abram's 75 years old. So now, let's fast forward a little bit. God's blessing Abram. And him and blessing Lot because of the blessing of Abraham. Lot's blessed too. That guy's smart. His brother's son was smart, right? Uncle, Uncle Abe was good. Uncle Abe, let me just, I'm just gonna walk beside you. And that blessing that's on you from God, it just kind of falls off on me. Well, they got so great that they had to separate. They had to separate. The two of them had to separate because they were just so blessed. And here's Abram, he's learning God's system. He goes to Lot and says, hey, you decide which land you want. You get first pick. Because Abram knew, listen, it doesn't matter where I go. If I just go where God sends me, I'll be blessed. In other words, I don't have any competition, right? Lot got himself in trouble because he picked an area that looked really good to his natural eye. But that ended up not being so good. Genesis chapter 13, let's read a little bit here. Is it okay to read in the Old Testament today? We got to lay this foundation because when we get in the New Testament, you're going to go, oh my gosh, how did I not see this before? Genesis 13 verse 14. 
And we're going to read through verse 18 for you note takers. It says, And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now your eyes and look from the place where you are northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Verse 15, For all the land which you see, to thee will I give it, and to your seed forever. Here we go again. Remember, God is saying this over and over and over. In the Old Testament, when somebody would make an oath that could not be broken, it would be, they would call it, I'm going to seven you. Right? And what that meant is they would come up and they would say, Pastor Dave, I'm giving you this. Pastor Dave, I'm giving you this. Pastor Dave, I'm giving you this. They would say it seven times. And that was so strong, that was an oath that would never be broken. God sevened himself with us. Man, if his word says it, he'll do it. This whole religious thing that God's not good is a lie. This old religious thing that God blesses some and not others, it's a lie. So Christian, look at yourself in the mirror. If it's not working, if you're not walking in obedience to him, it's, it's simply because he's not first in your life. And it's simply because you just don't know him, right? But boy, I'll tell you, if you'll get in the word and if you'll, if you'll make him number one in your life and if you'll spend your life passionately pursuing him, what do I do in my life? What is the purpose of my life? Is it to be a successful pastor? No, that is a byproduct. The purpose of my life is to know him. I don't study for a sermon, I study to know him. I talk to him to know him. When I talk to him, I'm more interested in what he has to say than what I have to say. Everything is him. And I, and I walk around blown away 24-7 that the God of the universe, who is real, right? A lot of Christians live as if he's not real. Well, I, you know, I just, you know, I... I'm doing great, but I just, I, I just don't like going to church. It's okay. You know, I, I don't have to do that. Which, it's almost like you feel like going, okay, great. So finish the statement. So I'm never really reading the word and I'm not really in the word. Or I may be in the word, but I'm, I'm a 2 Timothy chapter 3 Christian. I'm ever learning, but I'm never able to come to the full discernment of the truth. In other words, I could never, I could never seem to really work this thing out. And the reason why is because I'm learning about God, but I don't know him. It's not about knowing about him. It's about knowing him. Because it's important when you are facing an addiction that your behavior, you keep being drawn to it, and you're a Christian, so your spirit doesn't like that, so you're in inner turmoil, and, you, and it just gets crazy. It's not enough to know that God is a deliverer, you have to know that he's your deliverer. And that's why we, that's why we follow him. He knows, right? So, and, and, and it la have you ever talked to somebody about God who does not know anything about him, but yet they tell you exactly what, well, this is what I believe. Who cares, right? If I came to you and I said, okay, Listen, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, y'all got to come because Pastor Tony is going to give a cooking class at church. Please stay home and watch Monday Night Football because I don't know anything about cooking. Don't even want to. I know all about good food, though, because it's like everything else. I don't have to know how to cook. All I have to do is be married to a fantastic cook. Right? But you'll have somebody who knows everything about a certain thing, right? You, you want to talk to talk to about cybersecurity, Torian will blow your mind about cybersecurity, right? You want to talk about biology and, and physics and how everything works, talk to Pastor Edwin, right? They know a lot about that because they've spent time. But here's the real thing. If you want to know about God, 
You need to come to where you're going to find out about him. And it's right here. Right? So this is important. So where was I? In Genesis 13. For all the land, verse 15, for all the land which you see, to thee will I give it, and to your seed forever. God says, I'm going to give it to you, and it's just like everything else. Remember in the New Testament, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. They, he'll never take them away. God gave this land to his children, Israel, and he will never take it away. Now, it's real interesting, isn't it, what's going on in the world today? You got to give up the land. Listen, although they didn't care about that land up until the Jews got on there, right? They don't really want the land. They just want the Jews to not exist. But it's never going to happen. It'll never happen. It's just like all that's going on in the world. Aren't you glad you're the church? Man, I can't wait till I hear a trumpet and get out of here. But until I do, I'm not going to fear any evil. I'm not going to spend my life worried about what this global agenda and global 2030. No, the gates of hell will never prevail against the church. God spoke that, so I'm fine. I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Right? This is, this is how you must live. But to know that, you've got to know how much God is invested in you all the way. Look at this. Verse 16, And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall your seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto you. Over and over and over, God says this. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plains of Mamre, which is in Hebron. I love this. The plains of Mamre is in Hebron. Guess what happened in Mount Hebron? This guy, Mo, we know him as Moses, Moses walking, he's, he's on the backside of the desert, right? He's walking around, tending his sheep, and all of a sudden he's like, he grew up in Pharaoh's house. This guy was a master sorcerer, right? Do you know Pharaoh was a sorcerer? He was the top guy. Abram, or Moses grew up in that, and he sees this burning bush. He sees this bush on fire, but it's not burning. So he decides to turn aside, he leaves the sheep and he turns aside to go see this and that's where he meets God. Do you know to follow the call of God, let me do some ministry training, to follow the call of God on your life, you're gonna be really busy and you're gonna have 800 things to do and all of a sudden God is gonna draw you to go a different direction. And if you'll lay, just pause that for a moment and put him first, you're probably going to hear something like this. Hey, Tony, take off your shoes because where you are now, you're on holy ground. Well, did he take off his shoes because he was on holy ground? Yes. Why else did he take off his shoes? Because in that culture, whenever somebody was going to enter a new phase of their life, they would take off their shoes signifying, I am not taking anything from my past into my future. That happened in this mountain right here. Well, better get back on, better get back to the blood covenant here, okay? So that was a commercial break. That does not count in the time of the sermon, okay? And he says he built an altar unto the Lord. Do you notice how Abraham worshipped? Every time God met him, he built an altar. Do you know this is why you as a child of God worship? is such a key. Because what happens when you encounter God, you are so thankful, and it brings out you worship God. To Abram, he had to build an altar to worship the Lord. See, God promises Abram, everywhere you put your foot, will I give you. The Bible says to a New Testament believer, when you got saved, I took you out of the delegated influence of darkness and I've placed you into the kingdom 
of my dear son. And the kingdom of God, wherever I go, every place my foot treads upon, he's given me. So when I go to a restaurant, that restaurant, Satan can no longer blind the minds of people in that restaurant while I'm eating in there. Why? Because the kingdom's here and I know it and I know the authority that I have. That's how come I have all these crazy connections. I mean, literally, the company Starbucks, I can't stand anything that they stand for. And I keep telling myself, I'm going to stop going here and then I have an encounter with a young lady or a young guy in that drive-thru and I can't do it. Because I'm like, this is part of my field. So I learn their names and I, you know, and, and I mean, I've had some crazy stuff. Like, I mean, I've had, I've had a couple of young ladies go to me and go, after, after about, you know, 10 times coming through a line, they're like, hey, can I ask you something? Sure. Um, well, first of all, when you come in this line and we hear your voice, did you know your voice is soothing? <laughs> Surprised I didn't put them all to sleep, right? But anyway, so, so they're like, every time we hear your voice, if it's stressful in here, it changes. And it's just not stressful. And, and then they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh. Like, what, why did they do that? Oh, you're a religious guy right? One young lady even at Starbucks said, oh, you know, that's really cool. That, you know, I really, that, I like religion. And I'm like, well, I go, call me anything. Please don't call me religious. And she goes, really? I go, yeah. I go, you know what that word means? And she's like, what? I go, do you know what it means to bind? I go, I'm a Christian, which means that God is passionately pursuing me and loves me. And I go, he loves you too. So that's how, you know, I, I mean, I'm willing to give up Starbucks, but I just, it's the people. You know, and God helps me because Scooter's coffee tastes like black water, so I can't, <laughs> even though it's a Christian company. Moving on, moving on, okay. Be nice, Nebraska won yesterday, right? It wasn't real pretty, but they won, okay? So, so God is saying, everywhere you put your foot, have I given you? So now, let's go, I've tilted you guys. So now, Genesis chapter 14, Abram rescues Lot, gives tithes to Melchizedek, okay? This happens in Genesis. I would encourage you, read Genesis 14. Abram rescues Lot. I mean, these kings are like, listen, I'll just give you all the spoil. Abram's going, no, no, no. I don't want anything from you because I don't want anybody to say that they've made Abram rich. God has made me rich, right? Abram, in response to thankfulness, brings Melchizedek, the high priest, he brings him tithes. If you read the attitude of chapter 14, you will know why chapter 15 happened. It's real interesting right after he honors God in his finances because of his heart attitude. This, this, this was 430 years before the law was given. He tithed before the law was ever given. Do you know there's people that will literally say, well, you know, tithing's not New Testament. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Says my wife, that's unfortunate, right? Or says my daughter, yeah. But I mean, you think about this. Even though in the, in the book of Hebrews, which the last time I checked is in the New Testament, it says here men, they bring tithes, but there he receives them, right? Interesting. But right after the tithing, so this is like tithing sermon number two. It might not reach the level of the, the smooth heart of Pastor Dave, but you know, this is big. Chapter 15 happens because of Abraham's attitude in chapter 14. Why is honoring God in your finances so big? 
under the light of New Testament truth, the Bible says if your eye is dark in that area, it darkens your whole life. In other words, you won't see anything clearly. And everybody said, I love my pastor. My toes are a little sore, but that, no, actually your toes will feel good when God steps on them, right? So Genesis 15, 1, look at this. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Now, what? gosh, I can't get off of this and I got to go. So when you think about honoring God in your finances, when you think about putting yourself in a position where you feel like, gosh, if I put all my trust in him, I'm going to be very vulnerable. No, you're not. Because he's given everything that he is and everything that he has to you. So everything God will ever have you do will increase you. Nothing in God ever decreases. Do you know everything that he makes, it, it, it increases, right? This whole global agenda, people are worried that we're going to run out of stuff on the earth. I got news for you. There's technology that with a teaspoon of water, we could probably fuel the whole world for a million years. There's more than everything. There's more than enough for everything on this planet. And I just don't buy it, right? Oh, the cows are ruining our atmosphere. We got to eat bugs. Okay. I'm sorry I'm born again. My spirit's alive. That's really stupid on many levels, right? Could it be that the bugs you want us to eat and the, and the food that you want us to eat is because you're going to make a lot of money? Oh, yeah, now we're kind of seeing it, right? Well, this is so important that you see this. Look at this. Genesis 15.1. After these things, look at this. It says, after these things. After what? Abra after Abram brought tithes to Melchizedek. The word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision. Isn't that interesting? This is a New Testament principle. Do you know how many people, there's a call in their life to ministry, and they can't, God never specifically talks to them about that because they're not honoring God in their finances. But he's being a good father because they will die in the ministry if they don't know how to believe God. Right? He's a good father. So, going on here, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. This means, Abram, I'm your protector and I'm your protection. Remember in the nine steps of a Hebrew covenant, one of them was he would give the person his belt, which held all of his weapons, which was that person saying, I, everything I am, every weapon I have, all my strength to protect is yours. That's what God is saying to Abram right now. Do you know God's your protection? God's your protector. And as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't matter what's happening. It's not going to come near you if you know your authority, right? He says this, and I am your exceeding great reward. So let's break that Hebrew phrase down. God says, Abraham or Abram, I'm your protection, I'm your protector, and I am your exceeding great reward. I am, in other words, this, these, these Hebrew words mean, I am your mighty, increasing, monetary reward and benefit and payment. Your ever-increasing monetary reward and benefit. Abraham, not only will I protect you, but I will. the provision I have for you will never stop increasing. Now, you should be jumping out of your skin right now because that means you never have to worry or think about money anymore. All you have to do is learn that he's your provider. Take all the pressure off yourself, right? People walk through life and they're not even willing to look at certain things and they miss the plan of God for their life because they put everything in context to where they're at financially. And, and if you're led by money, you're not led by the Spirit of God because he is your ever-increasing monetary right reward and benefit. Interesting. 
So, this is God offering Abram his robe. He says, I am. In other words, God was offering his robe. Remember in the nine steps of a Hebrew covenant? When the per- first thing the person would do is take off his robe and give it to the other person. And they were saying with that, everything that I am, everything about who I am, my identity I'm giving to you. That's what God was saying to Abram right here. And he gave him his belt, his strength. I'm your protection. I'm your protector. So this is God giving Abram everything that he is and everything that he has. And I'm here to tell you how much more has God given you everything. You have it right now. Verse 2, you ready for verse 2? And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? He, basically, Abram's going, that's awesome. You're giving me everything you are. But really, what are you going to give me seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And, Abraham, and Abram said, behold, to me thou hast given no seed and lo, one born in my house is my heir. In other words, in in verse 2 and verse 3, he said exactly the same thing. What does it matter? I have no heir. It's all going to end with me. Verse 4. I mean, look at this. This is amazing. Abram is, is talking plain to God. Don't play games with God. He sees your heart. Right? You just, just talk to him. Because look at this. God is Jehovah. He's, he's the self-existent one that reveals himself. So, verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, or unto Abram, right? Saying, look at this word, This shall not be your heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be your heir. And then God said this, He brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards the heavens and tell the stars if you be able to number them. Abraham, a a child's going to come from your bowels. Now come here, I want to show you and give you an example. Can you count these stars? He's in the desert. There are no city lights. Have you ever been in a desert at night? Right? I've never been to Sedona. My, my wife tells me in Sedona they don't turn on lights or something. And so you're out in the middle of nowhere. You can see the dust of the Milky Way. Right? And God's like, if you could number those stars, you'll be able to number your seed. Why did God do that? We know from a New Testament believer, the Bible says, you meditate in my word day and night so that you may observe to do all that's written therein, and then you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. So God's dealing with the night. Abraham, when you walk out of your tent, when, when, when you're looking at Sarah, who's old, who couldn't have a child when she was younger, when you're looking at your physical body and going, I'm too old, I want you to walk, if it's at night, you walk out of your tent and you look up and you remember the God who gave you all that he is said, Abram, if you could number those stars, you'll be able to number your seed. God gave him a picture. Isn't that amazing? Now, and then he says, and if thou be able to number them, and he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. In Hebrews chapter 6, don't turn there, but in Hebrews 6.19, it talks about an anchor for our soul. God is giving Abram an anchor for his soul. Something so that he can take thoughts captive and keep his eye on what God told him. Verse 6. And he, talking about Abram, believed in the Lord. And he, talking about God, counted it to him for righteousness. Righteousness for human beings always comes only one way through faith, right? Verse seven, and he, talking about God, said unto him, Abram, 
I am the Lord that brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And he, Abram, said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? God, how in the world am I going to know that I've inherited it? Now, immature word of faith people would go, you can't ask God that. Abram did. It's It's not unbelief to ask God, how shall I know that I shall inherit it? For a New Testament believer, though, we don't really have to ask that question ever. Why? Because the Bible's very clear. God says, I'm your healer. I'm your provider. I've given this to you. Right? How? How's it going to happen? Well, you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, but you believe those things which you say will come to pass? Guess what? You will have whatever you say. Why? Because I'll move the mountain. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive. That was amen and baby. Believe that you receive them, right? Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. God tells us how it's going to happen. But if you ask him, well, you know, what do you, no, no, I need, I need a, more, a little more clear how. That's as clear as you need. God will do it, right? So look at this. God wants you to know the end result. Faith, see? Faith gives substance to the thing you're hoping, the thing that you're expecting. Faith is the proof that you have what you can't perceive with your senses, right? You may not know the specifics, but you know the end result. What do I mean? Listen, if you have a sickness, a disease, a weakness, an infirmity in your body, and you look at what the word says, you already know. No, no, I am the healed. All this stuff has to bow. I'm not moving there, right? You already know the end result. Abram wants to know why. Think about Abram. We don't have to ask this question because we have the Spirit of God in us. We're born again. Abram wasn't. This relationship was new to him. He didn't have a Bible. He grew up in a pagan land worshiping idols. He didn't know about God the way you and I know about God. It's almost insulting for us. I mean, it's sad that you can go to churches and hear that, well, you know, God blesses some and not others, and God will heal some and not others. That's How can you say that when the Bible says there's no variableness in him? He never changes. He's no respecter of persons. I am sorry, pastor. I am out. I love you. I'll pray for you. Can't hear that nonsense because it's not God's word. Right? How do we know God really means his promise? You as a New Testament believer, how do you really know that God means his promise? How do you know? What is the basis of our relationship with him? How how are we going to know? The answer to those two questions is the blood covenant. This is why we're teaching on it. I hope by the end of this, you believe that, hey, if he said it, it's mine. He'll do it. I don't care how it happens. I don't want to know how it's going to happen. Just hide and watch. It will happen. Right? Something we can point to. There is something we can point to. It is the scarlet thread of redemption. Something that we could understand. The Holy Spirit will bring understanding to us. Something that literally gives you and I a hold on God. I'm one with him. I've grabbed hold of him. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my ever-present help in my time of need. He's my deliverer. He's my healer. He's my provider. I don't live like a natural man. I live like a child of God on this earth with authority who's been made righteous. That's how, that's you. That's who we are. Be encouraged. So God says to Abram, Abram, I'll show you how. I'll show you how. 
What's the next thing that happens? The next thing that happens, starting in verse 9, God is going to now show him how he's going to cut covenant with him. This is why we teach this, guys. Genesis 15, verse 9, And he said unto him, And he, God, said unto Abram, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, cut them right in half. Kind of a bloody ordeal, right? And laid each piece, one against another, but the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Why does it say that? Because in the midst of this, Abram is trying to help God. Oh, shoot, these vultures are trying to take, I got to help God, right? God is cutting covenant here. He's cutting covenant with Jesus, his son, on Abram's behalf. He does not need any help from Abram. Verse 12, look at verse 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. So he fell asleep. Now, in the, in the book, The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread, I like Booker's theory. He's the author of that book. Booker says this, God didn't want Abram to help him, so he put him to sleep. <laughs> right? So if I ever put you to sleep, you know, that maybe God's putting you to sleep because you just need to rest. Coming to church, you're stressed out, you think it's all up to you, just sleep for a little bit. Right? This is a great place to sleep. It's a peace of God. I'm telling you, that's why some people sleep in church. That's why as a pastor, you'll never see me get upset because when I see somebody is asleep, I'm thinking, what's God doing? Right? So look at this. Let's keep going. See, we look at this, God put Abram to sleep. Maybe this is why, if you look in the Old Testament, that God often puts his people at a disadvantage in the natural. Well, give me an example. Moses, I want you to go to the mightiest nation on the planet, and I want you to get my people free. Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses is like, but, 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 but I, 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 can't, I, I stutter. It's like, God, why would you call somebody who stuttered? Maybe God wanted Moses to know that, Mo, this is bigger than you. And I want you, when you see the deliverance, you're going to forever know this is not about you. Maybe he wants us to know. What about Gideon? He comes to Gideon, mighty man of valor. Listen, I want you to take 300 people and I want you to lead them into the biggest battle you're ever going to face. No way, insurmountable odds. Why would he do that? To show Gideon, this is not about you. I'm going to give you the victory and you're going to sit back and go, wow, I can't take any credit for this. Right? That's another great. What about Jehoshaphat? Do you imagine? I mean, Jehoshaphat. We're going against these mighty armies that are going to take us out. The king goes and goes, okay, what do we do? Well, you want to send Pastor Torian and Pastor Mark and, you know, and, 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 and the worship team. I want you guys to take your instruments and go before them. What? Right? And there was great victory. And all those worship leaders, may, they might have been a little, you know, if they were wearing skinny jeans, they might have been sweating. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, when that victory came, those worshipers are like, wow. You think they learned a little bit about worship? Right? See, Moses who stutters, Gideon, Jehoshaphat, all of these things, no one can take credit on their own. Everyone will know it is God. 
God wants you to know whatever battle you're in, it's not about your ability. It's not about what you've done or what you haven't done. It's all about him. He has given himself and all that he has to you. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Look at, the, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians. Let's put this up on the board. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in verse 27. And we'll read through verse 29. Look at what God's word says. But God, I love that. I saw a t-shirt the other day that said, but God. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world, wow, to confound the things that are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to nothing things that are. Cancer's a pretty big word, but God's word, which you can't see, will destroy cancer, which you can see. It will bring it to nothing. It'll, something that you can't see, he sent his word and healed you, will bring and kill and destroy diabetes. It will reconstruct a new heart, a new kidney, liver, a brain, Right? Alzheimer's is a big word, not compared to those things that are not. It's not big compared to, surely he bore your sickness and carried your pain. Wow. Why is this, verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence? Guys, I know in my life, any, in this church, anything good that happens has nothing to do with me other than I am on the ride. We're all on this ride, and it's an awesome ride. Let God be God in your life. That's why the highest, the highest expression of faith is complete rest. I've ceased from trying to figure it out. I've ceased from, from doing anything that I'm thinking I should do I'm just going to rest and I'm only going to do what God leads me to do because he's the one that's going to bring it to pass. I don't have to see any way. See, when you understand that God's given himself to you, you'll understand that. Don't ever, if, if a Christian's telling you, you know, you just need to settle, this is pretty good. No. No, the Bible says every good and every perfect gift comes from above. You've never been made to settle. You're a child of God. You don't settle. God gave you his best. And the world needs to see you walking in his best so that they can see him. Right? No, God did it all. Abraham, let's jump back. Abraham just believed. He just yielded and he just made himself available. That's all Abram did. Wow. What did he do? He just believed, and he yielded, and he made himself available, and God moved. Verse, Genesis 15, verse 17. Let's look at this covenant. Man, we're running out of time. I'm going long again. I've been going long lately. You guys doing okay? I can't stop right now. It says, and it came to pass when the sun went down. You know what? I'm just going to read this and then close because I can't get into the covenant. We'll have to do this next week. It came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace. What was that? This is God the Father who is representing deity. And a burning lamp. This is God the Son representing Abram. Burning lamp taking Abram's place. Jesus took Abram's place. Wow. Jesus was standing for him. All of Abram's seed is represented here as well 
according to Galatians chapter 3, verse 29. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs to this blessing. So this burning lamp, it's symbolic of Jesus. Why? Jesus is described in scripture as light. He's, it's symbolic of Jesus taking our place. His perfect blood poured out. The blood that washes, not covers. See, Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, the Lord went before the children of Israel by day in a pillar of a cloud. How did he go before them at night? It says to lead them in the way, and by night a pillar of fire, a burning lamp. Do you see the similarity? To give them light to go by day and night. Verse 18 in the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. See, Abram could not keep this covenant alone. Jesus became Abram's representative. Right now, when, any, when you face anything... The blood that Jesus shed for you speaks that you are forever his. And if you'll stand and believe it, poverty and lack, sickness and disease, addictions, fear, turmoil, anxiety, depression, it has no right in your life. Because the God of heaven loved you so much that he gave all that he is and all that he has to you. Amen.